You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name is Christian Colley, and joining me this week is Ben Stegner. Hey, Ben. Hello, Christian. And Gavin Phillips. Hey, Christian. How you doing? Uh, hello. This is a surprise. Now, the reason for this, dear listener, is uh, you may notice by looking at the counts on this podcast, uh, this is episode eight of the current run, but it's also episode 100 of the bum, Really bum, Useful Podcast. I can't believe we've hit 100. That's quite an accomplishment. You know it's real when you get into the triple digits. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. I mean, I, I run another podcast, which I've mentioned previously, and that's about to hit 400, although we, we've kind of lost count along the way. But it seems to have taken a lot longer to get to 400 than what it took to get to 100, and I don't understand why. It's, 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 it doesn't make any sense. But yes, we've done 100 episodes of tech tips, chatting, uh ideas about things relaying nonsensical ideas about technology that actually turn out to be completely true and work and even we've had at least one interview and i believe we've got a couple more lined up fingers crossed so that's been the uh, general format over the past uh well two three years yeah episode 100 so and this is a we're going to um go into kind of formatless chat basically uh, we, we did have kind of uh, lofty ideas of saying, what's your favorite tech thing from the past three years? But uh, I think basically we're just going to go into a bit of a chat, uh, structure-free this week. And I'm going to, uh, I, I mean, I could say, I, I'm going to start this by asking Gavin what his favorite uh, piece of memory is on his um, third computer that you built. But I'm not going to do that because that'd be really, actually, I am going to do that. Uh, no. <laughs> Gosh, I could just feel like the cold sweat <laughs> back then. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I totally know exactly what to say right now. <laughs> Actually, though, PC building is an interesting topic. Now, I built my first PC with help in 1999, 2000, sort of 2000, 2001 sort of time, and it was a bit of a disaster. And I, I shorted something and had to get a replacement sent out. And then about six months later. There was a thunderstorm and the telephone wire was plugged into the modem and obviously the modem got burnt out. Um, but I, I, mean, I spent a lot of time building PCs up until about 2012, 2013. And I decided I'd rather have a laptop because it's more flexible for working. But you, mm-hmm. what do you use, Gavin? Uh, I use a bit of both. So I have right. my dedicated like desktop rig, which is, you know, primarily for work, but it also doubles up as my main gaming station. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a I have a really hefty 17 and a half inch laptop, which How is How big? Yeah, it's it's so is it big. HP. No, no, it's a, it's an MSI um it's like an MSI gaming laptop gaming in inverted commas here because huh. it's got um it's got an nvidia n40m gpu in it but as you know and i'm sure as some of our listeners probably know that some of the integrated gpus just aren't really worth considering for for gaming <laughs> so that didn't really work and i also have a third laptop. well i've got five laptops in total but that might be quite a mm. long quite a long list to get through but the other one i will tell you about is my uh pinebook pro linux laptop which is a fantastic bit of kit 
Uh, and I think that cost in a sale two hundred dollars. Yeah, they are amazing. Um, it doesn't. Oh, it's so good. It doesn't have the highest specs, but it has an incredible screen and an incredible battery life. And for two hundred dollars, yeah. it's just like it's, it's way way better than I ever thought it would be. Yeah, I. I, I there is to... something to be said for having that like quick computer. You can just it boots up quick, and the screen doesn't give you a headache, and it's just like a nice secondary device. So are you using a tower, aren't you, Ben? Yeah, I, I have a desktop that I built um, shortly after I went full-time as a writer. So I built it in early 2017, so it's almost five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, I have a MacBook Air that I use for when I'm working and traveling or doing Mac-specific stuff, but almost all the time I'm on my desktop. So when you built yeah. it, what was i mean did you have anything particularly in mind that you wanted to be able to do with it did you build it for gaming did you build it for heavy lifting processing or just for doing work yeah What's i kind of i kind of wanted it to be all around because i knew i'd be working on it all day but i also wanted it to be able to run some games because there were certain games that were only on pc that i wanted to play or multiplayer games with friends or whatever so i kind of did like an all-around deal i think it was maybe a thousand dollars at the <clears> time um so it's not like the beefiest gaming computer you'll find but it was you know pretty solid it still it still runs well i mean um nothing in it. it's like super outdated but just kind of getting the itch to put a new set of uh hardware in it i guess so but yeah it's an all-rounder and what about you gavin what about yours did you build your tower yeah i've um i built mine the first time i built it was Oh, I don't know, actually. It was before I went freelance as a writer, but it wasn't too long before. Um, and then um, I recently upgraded it. I, agree. I upgraded it, um, actually started upgrading it around this time last year in 2020's Black Friday uh, sales. And so I bought a, motherbo- a motherboard and I bought uh, some RAM last year. And then I waited for another deal to get a new CPU um and so the last thing the last piece of the puzzle is obviously a gpu which uh as you guys know is uh, is very very expensive to do at the moment so that's probably gonna have to wait for a little bit longer until the prices come come way way back down mm-hmm. because they're you know trading for twice as much at the moment but i did have the good fortune of when i first built and bought the the original rig that i bought i bought quite a high-end gpu at the time uh a gt x1070 which is still perfectly adequate for so so many games so it's not something that's actually pressing in the meantime but uh yeah in terms of actual like gaming and stuff it's 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 more than capable to handle most stuff now that the cpu has been upgraded to uh one of the latest ryzen chips that's that's kind of where mine's at too i have an amd 480 sapphire with eight gigabytes of video ram so it's I mean, I only I play like Overwatch, Apex Legends, Rocket League with friends, so nothing I play is super high end. So it definitely does well enough. Um, even a couple years later, I think my CPU is one of my bottlenecks too. Though I got an i5 when I built it, I'm definitely gonna get something a little heavier duty for my for the next one. Yeah, I think at the moment, especially with the disparity between uh, CPU prices, which are still relatively normal and level, versus 
GPU prices, which are just utterly insane uh, because of chip manufacturing shortages and uh, cryptocurrency mining uh, and what have you. So it could be one of those things. So that's why I did the the, the CPU because it was going like basically the rest of the system was basically bottlenecked by the system uh, by the CPU I already had. So switching that out and suddenly I can run games in ultra that I previously would never have dreamt of trying. So I quite like my racing games. So Assetto Corsa Competizione is really quite a high intensity game with all the processing that goes on and switching out that one bit of hardware, suddenly I could run everything in ultra. So it made a massive difference. That's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, well, oh man. <laughs> the, the, the Italian really rolled off your tongue there. I'm impressed. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Local to the area. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the last PC I built was. And I think, I'm, 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 actually, the last PC I built, I was completely on the wrong stick there because it's just come into my mind that I built my dad a PC a few years ago. Uh, uh, three years ago, two, three years ago, I spent three, four hundred pounds on building my dad a shuttle PC, um, so compact enough to fit under his table, good enough to run flight simulators on and stuff. And um, he did something to it, so it wouldn't boot anymore. And it, you know, in the space of five days, it wouldn't boot. He went on eBay, bought a Dell. <laughs> How impressed was I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out for him? Oh, he wants me to fix the other one. Which I've been refusing to do on principle, but uh, I think um, I built it. I think it. Yes, I'm pretty certain it, the one that I built is Windows 11 compatible, and his Dell isn't, and he wants to upgrade to Windows 11. So uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be doing that over the winter holiday while he's uh, visiting my sister. Uh, but I, I mean, thinking aside from that, there's actually uh, technically I built it because it was in kit form. There's a Raspberry Pi in a case on my desk. Um, and it's not like a little plastic case. It's uh, a Raspberry Pi with a hard disk drive and a fan and a, a sort of aluminium case for cooling. So, I, I mean, I built it so I'm, and I chose the hard drive to go in with it. So technically, I built it. So I guess that that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, yeah. You, assembled, you assembled it. Oh, right. I assembled it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's only two hands, though. It's only two hands. <laughs> well, it depends how you look at it. I mean, it reminds me, actually, I saw this um, a mini PC. People have been building mini PCs running retro games. And there's a guy on YouTube called The Rasterai. And he's built, uh, it uses a chip called System on a Module. Begging the component, so it's SOM 304RD system on module board, which he's then placed on a custom built board with um, USB socket, um, a D sub game port slash mini port, a PS2 port, a VJ port, micro SD port, a USB 2, an audio, and uh, it runs Windows uh, 95, Windows 98, and MS DOS. And that's specifically what it's designed to do. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So you've built a really decently functioning computer, I imagine, on what's a very small budget, and it runs probably a very decent amount of programs. You've yeah, not forked out you loads can, of money, and it's perfect for you know a wide variety of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's um, apparently you can build it for 250 quid. You can't actually buy it. You have to download the files and uh, source the uh, various parts and then uh, have the the, the uh, main board built and then sent over. Um, and then you assemble it yourself, much like I did with this Raspberry Pi. But, I mean, it's a really cool thing. It's called the Wii C. And if you're into retro MS-DOS games, because MS-DOS games and retro Windows games don't really get the same attention that, say, NES games and Genesis slash Mega Drive games and Amiga and Atari and C64. All those, they're, they're kind of, they're like the prime and PlayStation 1. They're the kind of prime retro thing, aren't they? But, you know, MS-DOS was... And, Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight were massive for gaming in the in the sort of mid to late nineties. Yeah, I didn't have any experience with too many of those games, so that would be like a treasure trove of new retro games I've never really tried. I had a couple of games on the computer when I was a kid, mainly like educational games. I played Sonic CD on the computer too. I remember that, but MS DOS was was before I was playing games. So that yeah. would be a new world to explore. Yeah, it, I mean, there's plenty of good games. I mean, the thing is, I um, over the past few weeks, uh, I've transitioned to using Linux sort of 90% of the time, where it was kind of 50-50 before, and it was just a case of swapping between laptops. Uh, since I've moved into my new office, I've got my Linux laptop set up, and I'm very tempted to, for some reason, I, I was... Tempted to start playing, Gavin may appreciate this, Championship Manager 9899 in MS-DOS. And uh, this is a football management, a soccer management game, uh, Ben. It's basically spreadsheets. And then I decided okay. <laughs> I decided it was too much like work. I was going to say, <laughs> like managing a team can be fun in the right context, but spreadsheets, yeah. not so much. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't quite go into it, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I basically got this whole set. I've got this beautiful new monitor attached to the laptop, and because laptop I've, I've got a seventeen inch laptop like uh, you have, Gavin. It's not quite as big as yours. It's only just the the seventeen. It's not HP and it's quite heavy. Uh, it's basically mm. it's not it's a kind of a PC replacement laptop. I think they called them at the time, didn't they? And yeah. um, it it's the, the screen's big, but it's not quite big enough. For, my failing eyes so i got this uh 22 24 inch display uh huawei and a black friday deal on amazon it's really nice oh that was me just banging it it's all right um <laughs> uh now the, the thing about it and this is kind of like my next thing that i wanted to go into because when you're building a pc you also need to kind of consider the monitor as well and i haven't bought a monitor in years the last monitor i bought is currently uh, attached to my son's uh, Wii U because the kids like retro gaming in our household as well. And um, <laughs> this 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 Huawei thing that I've got here is really really nice. And you know, like, install it. And it's, the screen goes right up to the edge of the bezel as well, which is nice. And one of the things that um, you know, I mentioned that I had this idea of playing games and shows like possibly the one of the dullest games but it's a really nice monitor and i really want to play a proper decent game on it and i can't really think i can't really settle on something that i can do and just like get into and then quickly come out of again to do some work you know and i'm also i'm a little bit reluctant to 
impose a sort of gaming you know i don't want to like turn my office into a game room basically because it's not supposed to be a game room do you, do you, no, do you know what i mean it's a, it's a it's a civil place where people come to work and <laughs> It's a very sensible location. Yeah, I mean, you can say that, but of course, the first time I ever played Doom, oh no, not Doom, first time I ever played Quake, it was in an office, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something you can jump in and out of. How uh, about Minesweeper? <laughs> there's, there's no, I'll, I'll just stick to the spreadsheets if we go with Minesweeper. Um, trying to think. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, we—I already mentioned it, but Rocket. I mean, Rocket League is kind of a good fit for that. I mean, because the games are only five-ish minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you might get addicted and have to play a bunch of them, but they're not like a huge commitment. I'm trying to think of another like jump in, jump out kind of game. Splatoon's good for that on Switch. But... Oh, we haven't got Splatoon. I keep meaning to buy it, and then something else comes up. Yeah, it's a good. I had a friend over a couple weeks ago, and I was showing him some some games he's never seen, and he he quite likes Splatoon actually. I, I got I got the second one on Switch when it came out. I'd never tried the first one, and it, it's fun. I mean, it's not the deepest game, but it's it's like I said, the main matches only last for three minutes, so it's a fun jump in, play a few matches, and not too much commitment. Yeah, that's not that's yeah. I like the idea of that actually. Yeah, um, maybe it will be that. Is it on PC? No, Splatoon. Splatoon right. one is on Wii U. Splatoon yeah. two is on Switch. And yeah, I remember, I remember seeing one. the trailer on the Wii U. I think we played the. De- I think we had the demo on the Wii U. But uh, I remember yeah. playing the demo for that game at a Best Buy. I didn't have a Wii U yet, and I was thinking about buying one. I didn't get one for quite some time after that, but must have been a limited time that the Wii U was in Best Buy because I don't. I don't think anybody was too excited by the Wii U, even though I, I like the Wii U. I like the Wii U. That's not a very popular opinion, but I like it as well. Yeah, I like it. We've. I mean, we've uh, got. I mean, we. We, we bought Wii U years and years ago, not too long after it came. In fact, memory serves correctly, we got it about six or seven months after it came out. And that's the first, that's the nearest I've ever got to buying a console when it comes out. And everyone saw pointed and laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really loath to ever do it again, basically. Yeah. Kind of funny because if you got a Switch right away, everyone would be like, "Well, you had a Switch since it came out." And with the Wii U, it's like yeah. you bought a Wii U almost when it came out. Nintendo actually did that with the uh, with the 3DS when it came out. I think it was two hundred and fifty dollars in the U.S., which was when the Wii, when the 3DS came out, people were not too kind to it. Like they said, it was not good enough, and the game library was pretty bad. So, like mm. within a couple months of the of the 3DS coming out, they cut the price by I think fifty dollars. Wow. Um, and any anyone that had bought it in that first time period, they had a program that was called like the 3DS Ambassador, um, and they gave them like it was like ten free NES games and ten free Game Boy Advance games, I think. And that was the only place to get those Game Boy Advance games. They've never like re-released them on the 3DS, so kind of a nice perk for being an early adopter, I guess. But that doesn't happen too often. No, oh, it doesn't, God, that's it? really odd, isn't it? Yeah. But I remember trying the 3DS when it first released at uh, Eurogamer or Gamescom held in London, literally the year it came out, and like getting on it and being like, oh, this is pretty interesting, this is pretty cool design, and playing the latest Mario and using the bottom pad and, and seeing what it was like. And then, yeah, looking at the price tag and being like, really? <laughs> that's, that's an awful lot of money, like, come on. 
Yeah, because I think Nintendo's handhelds have always, one of the reasons they've been popular is the price. Like the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance were all relatively dirt cheap, you know, enough to buy like one for all your kids. Mm. Um, so it was kind of, I think that was a high. I'm looking at it now. I had that wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was $250 when it launched and they dropped it to 170 Um so that was that was quite a price drop yeah. that quickly, which is a little bit more of a price. The 3DS has a great library, but yeah, for the original price, that's way too much. And they kind of abandoned the the main gimmick of the system. Like when the 3DS was newer, it was you know you had games like Mario 3D Land that were taking advantage of the 3D and Ocarina of Time 3D and Star Fox 64 3D like big remakes. And then maybe three quarters of the way through the 3DS's lifespan, even the the first party Nintendo games like uh, I think WarioWare didn't have any 3D and a couple other games. I think Metroid Samus Returns did, but a bunch of them didn't. It was like Nintendo almost said, yeah, we got a good system, but the 3D is kind of a gimmick, so we're just going to turn that off and hope nobody cares. <laughs> That's the problem That's... with 3D. It always has been a gimmick. Um, VR aside, you know, th- since the 1950s when they introduced um, 3D in cinemas and then it came back cyclically, didn't it? Every, so like 20 or 15, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, it comes back and then it goes again, it comes back and it goes again. And it, it, it is pretty gimmicky because there is always nearly always the requirement to wear something on your on your eyes and people kind of get sick of it eventually or like um, a few years ago when we had the um the last sort of like cinematic 3d explosion which some movies still have 3d i think or they did before the uh coronavirus show all the cinemas um and and then it kind of you know all the movies like the main the you know like the main screening is like 17 screenings in 3D and like, like three screenings without 3D. And then over time, people get sick of bothering with the 3D and they forget the glass and think, oh, I can't be bothered with the 3D. 3D is more expensive. I'll just go to the standard showing. And then it, it just stays cyclical. And I think 3D is just a bit of a gimmick in the majority of cases, whatever the medium. I would agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, my family had a 3D TV and we, we had some like 3D Blu-rays. So we would watch movies. I've forgotten about were, 3D TVs. Like, What's that? I'd forgotten all about 3D TVs. Yeah, yeah, we had one that was a 3D TV. I mean, it, it works well. Like it, it's it's as good as watching a movie in the theater. It's in 3D, other than the smaller screen, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, you can just bring the glasses from the theater home, and yeah. then it just works. So it looks good. Um, but it's just, I don't know. To me, it never really it there's cool moments. You know, it's like something fun to show your friends when they come over and see it for the first time. But like, it doesn't. To me, it was never like a must-have thing. And I also think it's cheesy in movies when they there's like a moment where you know they shot that just because it would look cool in 3D, you know, like someone throwing a punch or something, and it's like coming right at you. Like, <laughs> it's just something you know they did. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I never really found that it really elevated yeah. anything too much. Same thing with the 3DS games. I mean, a, a handful of games use it well, but most of the time it was, oh, cool, it's in 3D, but it wasn't a necessity. Are you a 3D fun, Gavin? Uh, no, not at all, actually. I'm, I'm really not a fan of it in the slightest. It actually kind of goes back to the point Ben made about uh, parts of movies that they made specific to, like, like literally, like you said, like throw a good punch in a film. So now you go back and look at these films that were designed with that in mind, and yeah. those yeah. specific shots now look even more ridiculous than they did because you're sitting there going... <laughs> What earth would you shoot from that angle? Oh, wait. It's because they used a terrible technology. 
I see. <laughs> and the whole shot looks out of place and out of kilter from the entire film, which I don't know, like you get those films that are like kind of deeply immersive. And I guess there weren't that many deeply immersive films with 3D because you're always being thrown about by the effects and what have you. But it makes it even worse now that it's not there because <laughs> you're going, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, that's bad. It's just bad. All right, so, so, yeah, that's a good point that like a lot of movies that relied on 3D like might not have had as deep of a plot or whatever, like stuff that usually carries a movie because they just figured, oh, it's 3D. People will be blown away every time there's a, you know, water yeah. rushing at them yeah. in 3D yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Avatar was 3D. sitting at home waiting for it going, oh, no, nothing, nothing. Okay. <laughs> Avatar, that was 3D, wasn't it? Well, that was the first one, yeah, wasn't it? That yeah. was really like mainstream 3D yeah. that probably quite a lot of people's it. first yeah. experiences of 3D. Yeah. Um, but yeah, translating it into like home theatre watching as well. So yeah, my, my family had a 3D TV. I didn't really get to use it much because I wasn't living at home at the time. But whenever I did go home, they'd maybe have a new film and it'd be like, oh, this is, this is quite cool. But yeah, as a long-term thing, you wouldn't go back and watch them now, especially as like... TVs don't last as long as they used to as well. So like the tech that you had with it, so maybe you bought a 3D Blu-ray, but now you can't watch it anyway. If you've switched up to a, a regular, you know, a regular 4K TV or whatever. So that's 3D. What about VR? Because I'm very doubtful about, dubious about VR, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I haven't tried it. So for me, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before. I just have a PlayStation VR, which is like, I guess, like bottom rung of VR. So take what I say with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, I I have enjoyed some aspects of VR, but my overwhelming feeling with it is that a lot of VR games, at least on PSVR, they're they're fun, but I think they're only fun because they're in VR. And if they weren't, they would be pretty basic. So for example, like a shooting gallery game, it's cool because it's like, Oh, I can grab the magazine and reload the gun and look around and aim and all that. And it feels cool, but like, that's not really anything crazy for a game. You know, a lot of games have guns, obviously. So there are a couple of games that I think use VR. Well, like there's one called uh, Moss on PSVR. It's like a storybook game where there's a mouse that's that's going on a quest and you're like the reader of the story. So the mouse like looks up and like you're in the world. It's like looking at you. So you have to like help it cross gaps and solve puzzles and stuff. So it's a clever story and a fun little adventure game like that kind of game, I think, works well for VR. Um, I love Beat Saber. It's a good rhythm game and a good VR game. Like everybody I've showed Beat Saber to loves it. Um, So that's that's another good example. But a lot of VR games I've played, like they've been fun, but they don't stick with me like some of my favorite games ever because they're 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 fun because they're in VR and they're unique, but they're not really like they don't blow your mind with the gameplay or the story like other games that are my favorites. So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I would have to like hard agree with that as right. well. The headsets I've used have all been quite good quality and I've used them from from like the oculus riff when that first came out i had a friend who had the very first uh development kit that they sent out like the very first one so using that all the way through and i've used valve index the latest valve one and the latest oculus quest oculus quest 2 so we used quite a lot of variety of them and of the same sort of all the way through experience as ben in the you're always kind of going yeah but 
it's only good because you're doing it within this environment. You couldn't step away from it and do it in another thing. Whereas you feel like you could port other games that don't rely on VR into VR and they would be so much more fun. So things like, you know, Grand Theft Auto or something like that, for example, uh, porting that into VR is like, wow, that's immense. That's so much fun. Oh my God. The engagement in that is bonkers, but games that are exclusive VR development uh, often just feel a bit lacking or they're maybe relying too much on the, the technology and not focus on the other things that make games traditionally good, like really immersive storylines or really immersive gameplay and so on. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, I don't know what games you've played in particular, Gavin, but most of the games I've played in VR, I want to say, are definitely on the shorter side. Um, I don't think I've played a game on PSVR that's, I mean, I mean I've played Beat Saber for, 24 hours plus but in terms of like a, an adventure game you know that you can complete um i don't think i've played a game that's longer than maybe six hours or eight hours so um i have now my uncle also has psvr that he and he likes it um a lot and he's he played through resident evil 7 in psvr um i i played through resi 7 but i didn't play it in vr and he said it was even scarier and pretty intense so i would like to maybe try that i know that they're remaking resident evil 4 um, I think that might be exclusive to Oculus or at least some PC headsets. So that that's a you know a classic game that people love. So it'll be interesting to see how they translate that. It looks cool from the little bit of footage I've seen, but I have to try it to know for sure. Can you that see people? Terrifying. <laughs> Can you see people sticking on a headset to join a meeting? Um, uh... the average person. Person, uh, would it, I don't know. I, I thought the average person, what would we really gain from that? I guess, like, what do we gain from that over like a like a Zoom or Google exactly. Meet call? I that's, guess other that's than, my that's my and, concern like, about the whole thing. Yeah, I think I, I think that AR is more of an interesting concept for like business use. Like, I remember years ago when I don't remember what Microsoft they showed. It was like a dad helping his daughter like fix a leak or something. Yeah, and it had like like she was looking at her pipe on in, under her sink and he was like drawing something in the air. I mean, it's a con proof of concept obviously, but like he was Ooh. drawing something that she could see and like showing her what to grab or what to install or whatever. Like that I think is sweet. If that could be a reality, like that makes more sense being able to like draw something in the air and have people see it. But as, as far as a VR meeting where you can like walk around and something like VR chat, I don't really, to me, I don't really see the business purpose of that. It'd be way too, annoying no. everyone put the headsets on and all that you know yeah. and stupid avatars uh, as well no, yeah. oh god yeah people trying to dress up their avatars for meetings try and look you want to go with like the fluffy hair and the crazy color cape and all that sort of stuff yep. or you go to, meet to log into your business avatar and you yep. log into your weekend avatar <laughs> <laughs> i can see that happening oh yeah yeah <laughs> now winding things back to building computers I have, um, and I mentioned I built my dad a shuttle PC. I have, I was given a, uh, I had it in my wish list last year. I'd left it in my wish list by mistake. And my mum and dad got me a shuttle PC case for Christmas. And it's basically the same one I bought my dad. I just, I'd, I'd put it in my wish list, um, just so I knew where to find it when I went to buy it for my dad. And um, then they bought me one the same. So I've got, kind of got this sort of, I've got the possibility of building a computer and what I'm planning to do with it is using it as a Steam game server. Okay. But, so I can then just use 
um, the um, Steam uh, home network syncing streaming thing. I can't remember what the feature's called. And then I can just play Steam game on pretty much any device, regardless of the spec of that device. As long as it'll run Steam, I can launch the game and, and you know, stream it through the home network to that computer or tablet, probably a tablet. And that's kind of, that's what I want to do with it. But I don't really know anyone else who's done that. And I mean, you can do it. It's built into Steam. It's a feature, so you can do it. And the the best candidate is probably Steam OS. But I don't know anyone else who's done that, so I don't know whether it's actually worth the bother of doing it. I right, so I I think I've told you this before. I when Valve like discontinued the physical Steam Link and the Steam controller, whenever that I think they were close, but whenever that was, I managed to get one of each of those. It was five dollars down from yeah. the normal price of fifty. So that was a pretty good deal. Um. When I moved, I had this. I set my Steam Link up downstairs with my TV, and I set the feature up, and it works pretty well. I mean, basically, you just connect your controller, turn it on, and then once you log in, your library's there, um, and you yeah. can it like syncs your favorites and stuff too. So you could just make your favorites like the games you want to play on your Steam Link, so you don't kind of scroll through, you know, yeah. 300 games or whatever. Yeah. Um, it worked pretty well. I mean, there was a little bit of hiccup here and there, but it was I'm all wired in, so it was pretty smooth. Um, I'm not a I'm not primary playing on PC though, so I don't have a perfect recommendation for it. But it's not really the, the, the end connection bit. It's more of the actual the building the unit that's dedicated to just playing games on Steam. That's why. Yeah, that's is, is Steam OS even still like supported? I remember. I like, believe I'm, it is. I'm, let's see, latest yeah. release was July 2019. Wikipedia says <clears throat> I don't know if that's that you can definitely counts. still use it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be releasing new on Steam because the Steam Deck will be running Steam OS. So, so it only supports a certain set of hardware that's being designed for the living room experience, which obviously is something you're interested in. So the Steam machine I was given has uh, an Intel Core i7, a GTX... 780 which isn't great but it's decent enough uh but it does have 16 gig of ddr3 ram and a one terabyte drive in it so it works really well as like an intermediate device that we just keep in the living room no one really uses it that much but if on the rare occasion i do have to go downstairs to play a game or someone wants to do something that you can't do on uh, like a normal fire stick or whatever you can just plug that straight into the tv which is really good that's helpful yeah, that's handy. Mm. They're good bits of kit. They stopped making them years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're really good little bits of kit. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I... I remember hearing about them, but it's been forever. I didn't think they made them anymore, so glad I was correcting my assumption. Yeah, I wanted, <laughs> yeah, I wanted yeah. to get one at the it time, but I ended up with a Steam Link, unfortunately. And then, uh, like Ben, a few years later, I got the... When they uh, discontinued everything, I, uh, I think the Steam Link was about 30, 40 quid, and then I got a controller for a fiver. Um, and do you know what? I really wanted one of those controllers for ages when I actually got to use it I tried it on um, Call of Duty World War 2 and I hated it yeah I, I I mean I play most games with controllers like I, I don't uh, we've talked about this before I don't I don't like keyboard and mouse just because I'm not used to it and it just feels foreign to me I know it's superior for a lot of games I'm not denying that um, but I've played around with the Steam controller and it's okay I, I haven't really given it a fair shot i don't really messed around with it but i watched a video from a youtuber i like that talked about kind of the the failings of it and it, i mean 
it, it's interesting in theory. Like it, um, I think some of the buttons are swappable, or like the the, the triggers or something. I could be wrong, but um, it's customizable in the software. So in theory, it's a you know a controller for gamers or whatever you want to say. But I don't think the touchpads are super responsive, or they don't really feel great to me. Um, like I would, I would, I would use it to play a simple like platformer or something maybe, but I wouldn't want to like play a serious competitive game using it. I use an Xbox controller on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, well, I'll tell you what, we, we're coming towards the end of our allotted time for this week's really useful podcast. And we've talked on and on and on about computers and consoles and games and things. <laughs> and, um, maybe we should do something, uh, to, uh, commemorate our hundredth uh, edition of the show and that means that i'm going to say to you both to see if you can um name just mainly so i've got something to point the show notes more than anything uh can you name the, the most interesting or favorite thing that you've done talked about on the really useful podcast ben oh now you're putting me on the spot um anything where we get to talk about games i enjoy so i like the one i like the episode where we talked about retro games mm-hmm. um i think we talked about something about we did an episode on the switch once, yeah, that was I think. a few weeks ago yeah like yeah switch tips and just game recommendations and things like that so anytime we get to talk about games i like that um or maybe i like when we've analyzed some kind of topic that's happening in the tech world that we kind of break down and bust some of the myths on i enjoy that too but i always love games so those have been my favorite episodes i would say okay gavin you uh i think it's quite a few things but um Maybe not so much a thing that we've talked about, but um, when we would discuss the recent news events and things like that and break them down was uh, always good because it gave always gave you some decent angles and yeah. some good meat to get into when uh, there's, there's always so much happening in the world of security, isn't there, that you don't always get to talk about and it invariably gets brushed aside. We could almost do a second podcast on that topic. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, and it, it gets brushed aside because something invariably happens almost immediately after it as well. So the yep. analysis time of, you know, you should do this uh, becomes, but also you need to also respond to this uh, current event that's also happening. So whenever we do get to discuss how to make our listeners' lives better by improving their security, I'm always a big fan of that because there's so much that can go wrong and does go wrong. Um, and there's so many small steps you can take that make it so much better. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with both of you, uh, actually, I think. Well, I mean, and what about you, Christian? What's, what's your number? Well, that's the tricky thing. I mean, my, my first, in, my, my first <laughs> instinct is to say the one where it's just me. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, back before we came in. Because... It means that I get the chance to re-listen to the older podcasts and then find the bits that were really good and then repackage them up in a new podcast, which is probably something uh, that's going to happen in a few weeks' time anyway. Because um, I like those kind of best-of ones because it, it means I can I, I sit there and I do this really... Oh, we're back to spreadsheets again, checking the stats of um, the popular shows and then finding what I suspect is the most interesting thing from that show and then... Uh, just editing it in and just recording a couple of links and and it it's 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 not because there's no one else there it means that i get to put multiple voices in one podcast which has never happened with a podcast other than the compilation ones before tonight which is 
I think it brings a new dimension to the Really Useful podcast, which has been really good having Ben Stegner and Gavin Phillips with me, Christian Corley, tonight. And I think <laughs> that is probably the time for us to wrap things up. Uh, anything that you um, find of interest that we've uh, discussed, you should find in the show notes. Uh, if you haven't already, do subscribe to the Really Useful podcast, and we'll be back next time for episode 101. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>